Welcome to Now Charleston. I'm Sam Spence. It's Friday, July 1st. Now Charleston takes a look at a handful of issues three times a week and tells you why they're important. Got a handful of stories for you here today. Let's get going. Questions arise about the qualifications for the Republican nominee for state superintendent of schools. The median price of homes in South Carolina has gone up a lot in the past 10 years. How much do you think? We'll see. A look at where you can see fireworks over this 4th of July weekend in Charleston. And a spotlight on John Lawrence, a Revolutionary War commander from Charleston who was close to George Washington and Alexander Hamilton, but is not quite as well known. All that and more, starting now. But first, I've got an update about Now Charleston. First, I want to say thank you. I knew people would find a show like this helpful, and I heard from lots of you who said you did. Uh, So thanks for listening. But with some good changes coming that will affect my schedule, good things, um, I'll be changing up the format for Now Charleston as we go forward. That means the three days a week headlines format is going to go away. Uh, But the show is not going to go away. I'll have an update for you soon on how it's going to look next. For now, though, I'm going to take a short summer break. Uh, Stay subscribed. I'll be back with an update on what you can can expect. Um, Like I said, I'm not going anywhere. More to come from now, Charleston. And now, let's get into the stories. Ellen Weaver won the Republican nomination for state superintendent Tuesday night, but now questions have arise about her qualifications to hold the office should she be elected. State law requires the South Carolina State Superintendent of Schools, a statewide elected position, to have earned a graduate degree to hold office, a degree Ellen Weaver, as of now, does not have. Earlier this year, uh, when a half a dozen other people were planning to run for the GOP nomination, the Posting Courier brought up questions about the graduate degree requirement. Um, A handful of candidates at that point dropped out, but Ellen Weaver said she enrolled in a fast-track program, uh, a fast-track graduate program at Bob Jones University, where she also has her undergraduate degree. According to the AP, Bob Jones said the program is self-paced and that most students take 12 to 18 months to complete the coursework. Uh, Weaver started that work in April. The election is in November, but she says she'll complete her degree by then. Uh, But wait, there's more. Uh, The whole requirement came out of a 2018 decision by the legislature to update the requirements for state superintendent, uh, requiring a graduate degree and, quote, broad-based experience, uh, unquote, in something like uh, public education as a teacher, administrator, school board, or some kind of policy-making body. Uh, looking at this, looking at Weaver's qualifications, one attorney pointed to Weaver's work as a leader of a conservative policy think tank that's a general think tank, not education specific, called the Palmetto Promise Institute, uh, when asked about the experience. Um, but that's another requirement that could be challenged, according to the AP. But with the graduate degree requirement, the experience requirement both could be challenged in court, uh, according to the Associated Press. It remains to be seen whether Weaver's Qualifications will be challenged in court, which could actually affect her eligibility. But seeing as the conservative stranglehold on state government usually steers things Republicans' ways in South Carolina, um, I doubt Democrats are counting on a legal challenge here to throw Weaver out of the race. Uh, Ellen Weaver will face Democrat Lisa Ellis, a teacher and founder, a teacher and founder of SC for Ed, in the general election in November. The median price of a home in South Carolina has gone up almost $100,000 since the start of the pandemic. The median cost jumped to $326,000 in May, 
uh, up 93,000 since May 2020. COVID prompted relocations and low interest rates kicked off a real estate bonanza in Charleston and everywhere else, sending home prices up. Um, the median price for a home in Charleston is four hundred and ten thousand uh, dollars. In fact, a Post and Courier reporter David Slade posted on Twitter yesterday that on Zillow in Mount Pleasant, James Island, Johns Island, Daniel Island, Wabmalaw, Canehoy, and some other of the barrier islands, probably like Folly, Isle of Palms, Kiowa, there are less than twelve homes for sale. Uh, for less than $400,000. There are a few in West Ashley, he posted, but just 26, and most are close to that $400,000 limit. That's not just in Charleston, though. Prices have jumped across the state. Uh, Hilton Head prices jumped 21% since the beginning of COVID, and statewide, the meaning, and statewide, the median price is up 18.5% in just the last year. Higher interest rates could temper some of that buying spree, but for now, prices remain high. Did you know a series of earthquakes over a short period of time is called a swarm? Yep, and a swarm of earthquakes near the Elgin area outside Columbia is continuing this week, according to the Post and Courier, with a couple larger rumblers, um, that's not a technical term, rumbler, uh, that have been followed by a few smaller earthquakes. A 3.5 magnitude earthquake was recorded the afternoon of June 29th, just a couple days ago, with a 3.6 earthquake that night. Uh, with four smaller earthquakes throughout the day. So on Wednesday, that means the Elgin area saw at least six earthquakes. These smaller quakes can rattle homes and knock pictures off walls and stuff like that, but magnitude seven earthquakes are the ones that can really start to cause damage, according to the Boston Courier. Most of South Carolina, including the Elgin area and Charleston, uh, sit along one of the East Coast's active fault lines, though it's not quite as active as the West Coast, one CFC professor told the Boston Courier. Still, though, since it's not as active as the West Coast faults, not much is known about how active it is. So it's hard to say when these swarms of quakes will stop, the professor said. All right, it's Fourth of July weekend. Where are you watching the fireworks this weekend? Here are four spots you can find them in the Charleston area. At the Joe downtown, the city is hosting a Fourth of July celebration on Saturday with the Charleston Symphony Orchestra. It's free and fireworks will follow. Uh, tickets can be found online. I'll link those at nowcharleston.com. Down at Patriots Point, there will be a free party uh, near the aircraft carrier museum, the Yorktown, uh, before fireworks over Charleston Harbor on July 4th. That's Monday. Uh, parking is $20 a vehicle, so admission to the party is free, but parking is $20. Bucks. Uh, and food trucks will be available on site. Bring your own chairs and blankets and all that stuff like usual. And same deal in North Charleston. North Charleston's hosting its big fireworks display at Riverfront Park on Monday night. It's free. Parking is free. Uh, just roll up and stake out a spot at the park before the fireworks. North Charleston usually does a pretty good, pretty big fireworks display, and you're pretty close to it, too, for better or uh, worse, depending on how the wind is blowing. And on Folly Beach, head down to the western part of the island for a free fireworks show on the beach around 9 p.m. Or just go buy some fireworks and light them up in your backyard. Um, sorry, neighbors. This week ahead of the 4th, I am spotlighting Charleston area historical figures who fought for freedom and independence in their own ways. If you missed this week's shows, I looked at nurse midwife Maud Callan of Berkeley County on Monday and the abolitionist women's rights advocates, the Grimke sisters, on Wednesday. Today, I'm looking at John Lawrence, the Charleston-born son of a wealthy slave trader who opposed slavery and fought for the new American Republic, but who, because he died in the war, is less well-known than many of his other so-called founding fathers with whom he associated. John Lawrence was the son of Henry Lawrence, who became one of the colony's 
Richest Men by Selling Enslaved People in Charleston. Henry Lawrence was an early leader in the new American nation himself, president of the Second Continental Congress, and a signer of the Articles of Confederation. His son, John Lawrence, certainly benefited from his father's largesse, his fortune, and his influence, but seemed like he cut his own path as well. Sent to London to study law uh, as a patriot, as a supporter of the colonies, John Lawrence continued to try to return back to America as the revolution broke out. Eventually making it back, uh, John's father couldn't stop him from joining the Continental Army, so he found him an appointment as an aide to a guy named George Washington. It's a pretty good gig. He ended up getting close with Washington and his other colleagues, uh, Marquis de Lafayette and Alexander Hamilton. As an aside, you might know John Lawrence from um, that musical. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. It's the Ten Dual Commandments. Lin-Manuel, please don't come for me. Um, that first duel in Hamilton features Lawrence, John Lawrence, and Charles Lane. Um, as you know, in the musical, both were shot, uh, but their seconds uh, stopped it before they could fire again. Lawrence's relationship with Hamilton is actually the source of some historical intrigue, with some speculating the two had a romantic relationship, even though there's no proof of that and it could have just been a platonic friendship. As an aide-de-camp to Washington, Lawrence helped Washington strategize and command key battles of the revolution. Uh, Lawrence garnered a reputation for being impulsive and maybe a little bit immature, but energetic, optimistic, and boundary-pushing. One campaign he pushed repeatedly was enlisting enslaved Africans to fight on behalf of the colonies in the revolution uh, with the intent of paying them and freeing them at the conclusion of their service. That's certainly a twisted way to think about equality and emancipation, but from what I can tell, John Lawrence was more progressive than many of his peers on the subject of enslavement. He also pushed those close to him, including his father and George Washington, to free the people they kept enslaved. Lawrence is notable for his proximity to Washington and other founding fathers and, in comparison to his colleagues, for his progressive views on equality and slavery. Lawrence was outgoing, but it also got him into some scrapes. He was said to have been wounded in every battle he was in during the Revolution, and in 1782, after the Revolutionary War was winding down and the British were ultimately retreating, Lawrence ordered a group of soldiers outside Charleston on an attack on a group of British soldiers near the Cumbie River. Lauren's group was ambushed along the road, and he was shot and killed, one of the last casualties of the Revolutionary War. Lawrence is buried with his father, Henry, at the Lawrence Family Cemetery on what used to be Henry Lawrence Plantation, called Mepkin. In 1932, the former Lawrence property was bought by the Luce family, uh, which founded Time, Time Magazine, Life Magazine, and Fortune Magazine. In 1949, the Luce family donated a good portion of that 7,700 acres to become what is now Mepkin Abbey. If you didn't get a chance to listen to the other shows this week, please go back and check out those spotlights on Maud Callan and the Grimke sisters from Monday and Wednesday's shows. Maybe I'll put those out as a special show over the holiday weekend or something. That's all I've got for you today. Again, thanks so much for listening, everybody. Everybody who's told me they have been listening keeps me wanting to do this and like i said it's not going away after a short break this month i'll be back with new shows in a new format and i hope you'll enjoy those too for now check now charleston for links and notes from all the shows and updates on the show itself to make sure you don't miss anything follow twitter.com slash now charleston and instagram.com slash now charleston thanks so much for listening i'll be back soon 
with the next Now Charleston.